Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yes, that is me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Friday, March 1st. Look at that. We're in March already. And it's Friday. I kind of like that. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A sunny day on the way, high 45. The week. And it looks like this. Saturday, we're going to see some showers, the high 49, but we get rewarded on Sunday. Sun and clouds, the high going to be 62. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 25 and clear in Stony Point up in Rockland County. It's 26 and clear in Edison down in New Jersey. And it's 29 and clear right outside our Midtown studios. So much to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hours, Sid and friends in the morning. All this creepy story coming into us from Long Island, and it continues to. Maybe you've been following this. Uh, two human arms and a leg now found in a park in Babylon yesterday. The remains discovered in a wooded area near Southard's Pound Park, or Pound Park, I should say. The scenes were along the west and east sides of the park. So the initial gruesome discovery was made yesterday morning, and we got this yesterday morning, that a girl who was walking to school at Babylon Middle School and High School, she uh, found this arm uh, uh, as she was walking to school, and she called her dad, and then her dad called the cops. This morning, a group of students were walking to school in Babylon Village on Siegel Boulevard when one of them noticed an arm uh, right, off the, right off the road. Um, she, That person called her father, who came to the scene... Um, he then called 911. So the arm's fingertips were gone. It had a clear tattoo. This according to the police chief who was on the scene. It did not appear the arm had been there for a long time. The medical examiner races to the scene, takes that body part, and as they're doing that, they find a second body part, a leg, about a half mile away on the other side of the park, and that's near the elementary school, Babylon Elementary. We have the right arm and the left arm. The right arm was found about 20 feet further into the woods um, from where the left arm in a in almost a direct line. Yeah. And then last night, another body part found by a canine cadaver dog. Police say it was 20 feet further into the woods. We don't know exactly which body part that was, but clearly someone's leaving out these body parts of this man. Investigators believe the arms belong to a man. Weird than- people are over here. There's oh, definitely a bad vibe right here. Yeah. Like the last two weeks for sure. I stopped walking here by myself because it, there's just weirdos. Yeah, that's a woman who lives in the area, was out walking her dog, says,
says uh, even her dog sensed something creepy was going on in the neighborhood. The gruesome discoveries prompting the Babylon District Superintendent of Schools to move elementary and grade school recesses indoors for the day out of an abundance of caution. Dismissal procedures, they were modified as well. A little disturbing because the school is right here. It's just scary to think that that's here. You know, it's it's sad. It really is. As soon as they found out this morning, they sent the parents a notice that there is police activity, and they did let us know that there is going to be indoor recess, just as a precaution. Yeah, it's always fun to get an email from the school that, uh, oh, by the way, body parts outside the school, but we're going to keep your kids in class. The case being treated as a homicide. Extraordinarily shocking for this area. I mean, it's always been a great place to live. That's horrible. Crazy. Crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, so at this point, we reached out to police to find out how many body parts have been found. But clearly, a fair amount of them have been. Uh, the assumption is they all belong to the same person. The main questions, of course, now are, who is this person? And then, of course, who did this? Detectives hoping the tattoos and DNA will help them identify the person soon, and then they can figure out exactly what took place to them or what happened to them. Police say there are no reports of any missing persons in the area. So this might be somebody, a body from somewhere else. Of course, we'll keep on top of this story. Last night was uh, the uh, first public hearing in New York City about congestion pricing. This is where you and I get to go and either compliment the plan or complain about it. So the MTA had uh, people Zooming in. You could go on Zoom or you could be in person at Lower Manhattan. Now, most of the criticism was, was civil last night. It'll be the final nail in the coffin that will relegate Manhattan to become the playground for the wealthy. My patients don't choose to have cancer, but you are choosing to tax them because they do. And I Thank beg you, you for to your reconsider. Yeah, that woman saying that her patients like uh, sometimes just can't take the subway. Uh, they're too sick, so they have to use a car service. And the congestion pricing plan, which would charge you 15, 16 bucks to go below 60th Street in Manhattan, she says, would affect them. There were also calls uh, yesterday for more discounts for people who live in the area. The London plan offers a 90 percent discount to all residents who live within the zone. I'm not in favor of zone residents paying anything, but at least that would benefit low-income residents like myself. Yes, so the plan is in place in London. They do congestion pricing there. And despite all this criticism, there were plenty of zone residents who felt like the board congestion pricing plan can't start soon enough. The transponders, they're, by the way, up. They're ready to start taking your money. Uh, This woman says her husband died after an ambulance coming to save him got stuck in terrible traffic. And she says with congestion pricing, there'll be less traffic in the five boroughs. None of you want to be or I in, should a situ- say in Manhattan. None of you want to be in a situation where you might have been saved, but you died because there was too much traffic. Yes. Yeah, so for every comment in protest of the toll, there was at least one from a mass transit uh, commuter who was in support of congestion pricing. So we thought this was going to be all anti, but it was split pre- pretty evenly last night. I should say yesterday, 120 people, some in person, some on Zoom. Now, I was waiting. You usually get a couple crazy people who get up and scream and yell, and thankfully there were a few of them. This is a crime against a New Yorker. Yes. You might not like what I'm saying, but it's a fact. Have you not considered the residents of the CBD that are forced to drive out of the city to work? Yeah, finally some passion. Now, one person yelled at the board members that they were Lucifer. 
<laughs> he was uh, carted out of the uh, hearing. He seemed a little wacky. Uh, so anyway, it looks like this plan's going to happen no matter what. The comments in this series of public hearings not expected to radically change the plan to toll drivers below 6th Street, Street, but it could help refine some of this plan. We'll wait and see. They wanted to roll this out next month in April. Uh, now it's more likely it'll be rolled out in the summertime. WABC News Time 509. We're talking about congestion pricing in New Jersey. Actually, the tolls, the new tolls begin today on the New Jersey Turnpike Garden State Parkway. 3% increase. It'll work out to about 15 cents more for the average passenger vehicle on the turnpike and five cents more. I should say 15 cents more on the turnpike and five cents more on the parkway. So uh, you're digging a little bit deeper. Those tolls went into effect at midnight last night. Them going up extra. It's just inflation, extra inflation, and it's unnecessary. It's bananas and they should. uh, The officials need to make a higher paycheck. I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, so these annual toll increases were approved in 2020 and more are coming down the pike. But the first one here, again, is 15 cents more on the turnpike, five cents more for the average driver on the parkway. And that began at midnight. Let's go overseas at 510. As we speak, the funeral for Alexei Navalny just about to begin. A spokeswoman for the late Russian opposition leader says he will be buried in Moscow and that the service will be open to the public. The announcement on social media says a funeral will be held at a Russian Orthodox church, followed by a burial at a nearby cemetery. Mourners who attend the services may be facing a risk. After Navalny's death at a Russian prison earlier this month, hundreds of people were detained across the country for simply attending one of his memorials. I'm Michael Kastner. Yeah, we were hearing word they were having a hard time getting a hearse driver to drive his body to the funeral. You can imagine why somebody might be afraid. Also, the question is, who's going to show up at this funeral? We're watching. Uh, it's about to begin. And so as more information comes in about that, of course, we'll pass that on to you. We'll switch over to the Middle East where we had this horrible moment yesterday. 104 people killed in Gaza as they were trying to get to food aid trucks. Uh, Some of this involved Israeli military fire on this group as they tried to disperse them. Still trying to work out exactly what took place. Back here, you have some of the progressives in the Democratic Party really complaining about this latest uh, awful tragedy. 104 people killed. One of them, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who's never been a big supporter of Israel. Debbie Dingell, they both support an area of Michigan that, of course, has a high Arab American population. 53% of our residents in Michigan support a ceasefire. 74% of them are Michigan Democrats and 64% of them are independents. So the number that's been thrown around 25, 30,000 people killed since the war began between Israel and Gaza back in October, that being felt by not just uh, Jewish families, but Palestinian families back here. I have family in my district that has lost 40 members of their family, grandparents, aunts and uncles and cousins, others that have lost 20 members. Yes. So Israeli troops were firing on this group of Palestinians probably trying to disperse this what was just a crazy riot to get food. They're still sorting this out. There's video of it everywhere. And uh, Israelis say they're investigating it. So are the Palestinians. But the death toll, there are 104. Many of those people trampled as they tried to get food. Let's bring it back home down to the U.S.-Mexico border. President Biden using a trip to the Texas border to push for approval of bipartisan border security package. It would include funding for more agents and immigrant judges 
which he says would provide a strong deterrent to people trying to cross the border. Persons thinking about entering the United States understands that cases to be decided in a few weeks or months instead of five to seven years, they're less likely to come in the first place. So there was a bill passed in the Senate. Biden wishes uh, the House would pass this as well. It's time for the speakers and some of my Republican friends in Congress who are blocking this bill to show a little spine. Conservative leaders supported this. Those senators who opposed it need to set politics aside and pass it on the merits, not on whether it's going to benefit one party or benefit the other party. Yeah, and there were dueling speeches at the U.S.-Mexico border. The former president, Donald Trump, was down there as well. Joe Biden was in Brownsville. Donald Trump was in Eagle Pass, used his trip to highlight a recent string of crimes committed by illegal immigrants. The United States is being overrun by the Biden migrant crime. It's a new form of vicious violation to our country. It's migrant crime. Trump says he met with the parents of murdered University of Georgia student Lakin Riley. He says they're devastated. He says that he promises being made by Democrats are a magnet that are drawing people to our border. The monster that's charging the death is an illegal alien migrant who was led in into our country and released into our communities by crooked Joe Biden. If you haven't followed the Lakin Riley story, she was out for a jog when a migrant who had been here from Venezuela and been in trouble before grabbed her and killed her. And uh, the president, former president, meeting with the family. Last year, a sadistic illegal alien criminal who was released into our country by Joe Biden was arrested for raping an 11-year-old girl in Pasadena, Texas. President praising Texas for building a wall and trying to crack down on a surge of illegal immigrants. House Republicans, by the way, they were slamming the president for his trip. They say it was just a photo op. He's oblivious to it. His handlers are oblivious to it. This is a photo op for him to try to say, I care. Please reelect me. Arizona Republican Andy Biggs there. President Trump, he wants to be at the border. He wants to get there. And I'll tell you what, uh, I was just down in the border last uh, Sunday and Monday again in Arizona. And right now, that's the focal point. And a poll that came out just a couple of days ago had immigration as the top priority, top concern for Americans going into the 2024 race for the White House. 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday. Good morning, Justin Allen. Happy Friday, indeed. Good morning to you, Noam Layden. Both the Knicks and the Nets returned to action on the hardwood last night at the Garden. The Knicks fell 110 to 99 to the Golden State Warriors thanks to a 31 point and 11 rebound performance out of superstar Stephen Curry. Jalen Brunson scored 27 points for the Knicks, who finished 4 and 8 in February after going. 14 and 2 in January, but they lost starting forwards Julius Randle and OG Ananobi late in that month and don't know when the two will be back. Dante DiVincenzo added 16 points and Josh Hart had 14 points, 18 rebounds, and 7 assists for the Knicks, who missed their first nine shots and trailed by 17 early on. Ananobi could be inching closer to a return with head coach Tom Thibodeau saying yesterday that he was cleared to begin individual basketball activities such as dribbling and shooting, though still nothing where he would face any contact as he recovers from that elbow surgery. Out in Brooklyn, the Nets found something against the visiting Hawks, burying Atlanta by a score of 124-97 to last night. Kim Johnson scored a season-high 29 points, hitting a season-high seven three-pointers and 11 attempts. Uh, fighting for the last play and spot in the Eastern Conference, the teams will meet again at the Barclays Center. Tomorrow, uh, Brooklyn improved to 23 and 36, winning on interim, winning in, I should say, interim head, uh, head coach Kevin Ollie's first home game since replacing the fire Jacques Vaughn on February 20th. Dennis Schroeder had 23 points, eight rebounds, and seven assists for uh, balanced Brooklyn. Mikael Bridges scored 15, 
Daron Sharp had 12, Lonnie Walker 11, and Dennis Smith Jr. 10. In the NHL, Matthew Barzal had a tie-breaking goal, just uh, over six minutes left in the third period, and Brock Nelson scored twice, lifting the Islanders to a 5-3 to victory uh, that last night that snapped the Detroit Red Wings' six-game winning streak. The Islanders have entered the final period with the lead 26 times this season and have lost seven of those games. In the final minute, Pierre Engvall scored the Isles' first empty net goal of the season. Nelson's second goal broke a tie early in the third period, giving him a team leading 27 goals on the year. And Ilya Sorokin finished with 23 stops. The Isles are uh, 6-5-3 since firing Lane Gam- uh, get Lambert, I should say, and hiring uh, Wah to linger in the playoff race as one of four teams joining New Jersey, Washington, and Pittsburgh within 10 points of Detroit and Tampa Bay in the wild card standings. Looking ahead to tonight on the ice, the Devils return to action on the road, set to face off in Anaheim against the Ducks at 10 p.m. And down at MLB Spring Training today, the Mets visit the Cardinals for a 105 p.m. first pitch, and the uh, Yankees host the Blue Jays a bit later tonight at 6.35 p.m. That is Sports No Man. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. The wildfire in the Texas panhandle, now the largest in the state's history. NBC's Gald Venegas has the latest from the panhandle. A series of wildfires continue spreading throughout northern Texas as the weather here has changed tremendously. Uh, This morning, we've seen rain. uh, We've also seen ice and snow in places like Fridge, Texas. The so-called Smokehouse Creek fires burned over one million acres is only three percent contained today. Texas A&M Forest Service says the blaze has combined with another wildfire as well. One of those is the Smokehouse Creek fire, which is now the largest fire in Texas state history, uh, burning over one million acres. One person has died in that fire. Uh, we're hearing from family members who say it was an 83-year-old grandmother former substitute teacher. Texas has raised its fire preparedness level to three now, which means outside help from other regions or states may be required to fight those flames. Senate Republicans blocking a bill that would protect access to in vitro fertilization. Clyde Hyde, uh, Cindy Hyde-Smith, who's from Mississippi, objecting to the measure's approval, saying the bill goes too far. I support the ability for mothers and fathers to have total access to IVF and bringing new life into the world. I also believe human life should be protected. These are not mutually exclusive. Democrat Tammy Duckworth tried to pass the bill by unanimous consent. Hyde Smith says in opposition that the bill would legalize human cloning and gene-edited designer babies, among other things. Earlier this month, the Alabama Supreme Court declared that frozen embryos are children. Several clinics in Alabama have stopped IVF treatments as a result. The bill before us today is a vast overreach that is full of poison pills that go way too far. 521. One, there is growing frustration among Americans when it comes to getting necessary medical care. A survey from the group MDVIP found that patient burnout is becoming just a huge factor in trying to stay healthy. Dr. Alan Ressinger is the medical director of MDVIP, a group of about a thousand primary care physicians. And he says some people have simply just given up to see a doctor because it's so hard to get in to see a doctor. About 10% of people in the survey said they waited so long in that waiting room that they just got up and left without ever seeing the doctor. So it has become a big issue. No doubt you know somebody who's been waiting to get specialized care, and sometimes they're told they have to wait months to do so. It was noted that 61% of those, 61% of those surveyed think the health care system is a hassle. 53% feel they're treated like a number and not a person. Folks who have multiple chronic conditions, things like 
heart disease, diabetes, anxiety. You know, these are the folks who need the most care, and it turns out that they're getting the least because of all of the frustrations. The 18 to 43 or so age group, um, and then after that were women who were uh, experiencing frustrations in the 27 to 30 percent range. The MDVIP survey found that people who saw a primary care doc were less confused about their medications, their medical condition, even even their health insurance. Yeah, part of the problem they're saying is many now opting to use urgent care facility and don't have a regular physician. And they say part of this is this those long waits just to get in to see a doctor. Nassau and the Navy training in San Diego for the upcoming Artemis II mission. Artemis II Commander Reed Weissman is giving high praise for San Diego's U.S. Navy service members that are part of this project. Everyone is there for a mission, they're there for a purpose, and they are there to help and assist, and they are ready to throw their lives on any problem to get the mission accomplished. He's Wiseman as part of a four-person Artemis II crew sending astronauts around the moon and back over 10 days. This will be in September of 2025. It's about building on what we learned there and exploring even deeper, and that means going to Mars and answering some of those fundamental questions that we all have about ourselves. What does it mean to be human? Are we alone in the universe? How do we all get here? The crew of the USS San Diego based at 32nd Street been training on the recovery of astronauts in the Orion capsule that'll splash down off the coast of Southern California next year. A new study shows a possible reason why some COVID patients suffer from brain fog long after they recover. It suggests that the virus damages blood vessels in the skull. We originally thought of it as a respiratory virus. Now we realize it's more of a vascular virus as much as anything else. That's Baylor infectious disease expert Dr. Peter Hotes says the latest study is part of this growing body of research into what is known as long COVID. The brain fog is only part of the worry. We have to stop just thinking about COVID-19 as a respiratory virus and realize it's very much a cardiovascular virus. Long COVID is real. It's a serious condition. It's causing significant disability in a high percentage of the American population. 524, recent research shows the U.S. economy is set to reap considerable benefits from Americans taking popular medications that are used for weight loss. Goldman Sachs forecasts that the use of GLP-1 drugs like Ozempic could add 0.4% to America's GDP. The overall U.S. economy was about $28 trillion in the fourth quarter, so if Goldman's bullish case bears out, that means GLP-1 drugs alone could boost out Output by a trillion dollars over the next four years. Government statistics show that more than a third of Americans are overweight and more than 42% have obesity. Obesity and related complications contribute to constraints on labor supplies in the U.S. Aaron Rayal, NBC News Radio. And one of those people who's fought the battle of the bulge for years, Oprah Winfrey. She's stepping down now from her role at Weight Watchers. Winfrey had served on its board of directors for nine years. Since the announcement late Wednesday, shares of Weight Watchers have been down by as much as 25%. Winfrey also pledged to donate her financial stake in the company to the National Museum of African American History and Culture. It all comes after Oprah said last year that she was taking weight loss drugs to maintain her weight. I'm Mark Mayfield. Yeah, if you remember initially, she sort of hid that news. Millennials, poised now to become the richest generation ever. For years, millennials have been characterized as lazy and unreliable individuals who waste money on expensive coffee while struggling to make ends meet. But according to the annual wealth report from real estate consultancy Knight Frank, that's about to change. 
The firm says that over the next decade, baby boomers born between 1946 and 64 will begin handing over real estate, equity-rich stock portfolios, and other assets to those born between 1981 and 96. Knight Frank estimates there will be a $90 trillion shift in assets between generations, and that'll buy a lot of coffee. I'm Phil Hewlett. You know, I never got to this story this week, but it was kind of a big deal in the country music world. Ronnie Stoneman passed away. She was considered sort of the first lady of the banjo, an incredible picker. And when people played the banjo back in the 60s, 70s, even earlier, it was always men. But she uh, sort of infiltrated that whole scene and was an incredible musician. In some ways, though, she was better known for the time that she spent on Hee Haw, <laughs> which is kind of funny. The only reason I still adore you, like the Bellamy Brothers, your hair reaches the floor. Yeah, so I sort of went down this wormhole looking at all of her videos. I mean, she was very, very funny. Uh, this was, you know, that famous song on Hee Haw. You said that love was sweet as a tater. You promised me love night and day. So we were wed, but two days later, Ronnie Millsap took you far away. Well! Why did you leave me here all alone? I searched the world over and thought I found true love. You met another and you was gone. So she was a member of the uh, Stoneman family band before joining Hee Haw back in 1971. Not a well-known name, but uh, if you're somebody who's into music, go check her out. She's really kind of fun to watch. The opening bell, it rings this morning as the trading week winds down on Wall Street. T- stocks closed higher yesterday, final day of the month, a leap day, of course. At the closing bell, the Dow rose 47 points. S&P 500 gained 26. The Nasdaq grew 144 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yes, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Friday, March 1st. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, high 45. Saturday, we'll see some showers, high 49. But the reward comes on Sunday. Sun and clouds, the high 62. I like that. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 25 clear in Stony Point up in Rockland County. It's 26 and clear in Edison down in New Jersey. And it is 29 and clear outside our Midtown studios right now. We'll start this half hour right here in Midtown Manhattan. About a half a dozen people getting trapped in an Empire State Building elevator last night. The whole ordeal, starting when this elevator got stuck on the 16th floor, seven adults trapped for about an hour before crews were able to get to them. The FDNY says these special units had to respond to get to the people through the roof of the elevator and then take them out of the roof of that elevator and onto a second elevator that brought them down safely to the lobby. So this was 
you know, this was a tough transaction. The battalion chief, Stephen Tenzosh, explaining this elaborate rescue. There's a top hatch to the elevator. So they open this top hatch, put a ladder down into it, and then they assist the people out of the uh, elevator through that top hatch. Uh, they tie them off safely, and they're tied off as well. And then they bring them over to the car adjacent, bring them down into that top hatch, and then once they're in that elevator car, they bring them down to the lobby. Yeah, so the firefighter's doing an amazing job. Nobody hurt the Empire State Building, of course, one of the tallest buildings in the city. Not clear if these were visitors or if these were people who worked in businesses inside the building. Uh, but everybody is okay. Federal agents searching two properties owned by a top advisor to Mayor Adams yesterday. An FBI spokesperson confirming that agents carried out morning raids at two Bronx addresses, which records show are owned by Winnie Greco, a former fundraiser for Adams who now serves as his director of Asian affairs. The purpose of the investigation was not revealed. It wasn't immediately clear whether it was related to Mayor Adams, but it was another sign of the deepening law enforcement scrutiny of the Democratic mayor and members of his inner circle. Neighbors of Greco's say federal agents began searching the two homes, which are on the same block. This was about 6 a.m. yesterday. Like a full block radius was all uh, blocked off. And it was FBI agents. Uh, and, and they stormed this house right here. Again, we don't know a whole lot about this, is, but this is what we can tell you. Greco was placed on administrative leave yesterday. She was a prolific fundraiser that has worked closely with the mayor for a decade. Uh, in November, the city's Department of Investigation opened a probe into her conduct following a news report that raised questions about political fundraising and whether she used her position in the administration to obtain personal benefits. Greco is at least the third aide to Adams, whose home has now been targeted by federal agents. Meanwhile, Mayor Adams' chief of staff, she was out yesterday encouraging New Yorkers to file complaints with the city if they witness dangerous living situations for migrants. We've told you about two situations just this week. Migrants, 80 of them, sharing the basement of a furniture store in Queens and sleeping in shifts. And then yesterday, 45 migrants found living in a empty store in the Bronx. And, um, People in the neighborhood there, they were the ones who tipped off police. Very unusual, you know, to find some people uh, living in a store, you know. Sometimes they put, you know, they, their waist and in front of the store and, yeah, it's kind of very bad thing, you know. Yeah, it was intense to see the pictures of this place. Tiny, cramped retail space, 45 bunk beds. The migrants who were living them uh, living there, apparently all of them from West Africa, they were charged a $2,400 deposit and then paid $300 a month to stay in this space. Don't know where all of them are today, but they say some of the issue is this plan by the city where you have uh, every 30 days have to reapply for shelter and that maybe some of these people have decided to live in what's essentially unsafe living conditions because they don't know where they're going to live after that 30-day shelter limit ends. I don't know. And this is the uh, mayor's chief of staff. I don't know that I can draw a direct correlation. What I can say is that over 60 percent of our population have taken steps to move into other places. To the extent that we find out that individuals are living in an unsafe condition, we will do what we have done. 
Yeah, so uh, the guy who owned both the furniture store in Queens and that store in uh, the Bronx uh, is going to face some fines, but that's it. I mean, he'll get paid $25,000, something like that, in fines. He says, by the way, that he rented out to these migrants because he felt bad for them. WABC News Time 539. We're just getting this into the newsroom. A 13-year-old boy shot and killed in Crown Heights late last night. It marks the third fatal shooting in Crown Heights just this week. We don't have a whole lot of details, but we know the gunfire happened on St. Mark's and Brooklyn Avenue. Took a bullet, a number of bullets apparently. Later died at a local hospital. No gun recovered. Police still searching for a gunman and a motive for the shooting. This comes after two other shootings, including one that took place at a bodega. Of course, as more information comes into us on that deadly shooting, we'll pass it on to you. And when When we were coming onto the air yesterday, we were telling you about this subway conductor. You know, the subway conductors, when they leave a train station or come into the train station, they'll lean out their head to see what's going on in that station. Well, as this uh, conductor was leaning out the window of his train car, somebody slashed him in the neck yesterday. This was about 3.40 in the morning at the Rockaway Avenue station on the Sea line Investigators say he was on the job at the time performing his duties. He stuck his head out of the conductor's cab and got slashed by an unknown person. They still haven't found him. The slasher uh, ran off. To just get slashed across your neck for no good reason. We're living in the Wild West right now. That's ahead of one of the conductor's unions speaking out yesterday. So the conductor yelled for help over the PA system when he realized what had happened. And he was lucky that there was a doctor on board the train who raced to help him. And he says he may not have been around if that doctor had not been there to help him. If it wasn't for the doctor, he's not sure if he would have made it. So amazingly grateful for for the efforts of this doctor. The MTA, the union telling us that that conductor is Alton Scott. 24 years of service for the MTA. He was treated for his injuries. Brookdale Hospital, he got 34 stitches on his neck. He was released. He is back home. No arrests have been made. Scott's fellow conductors, you can imagine how they are worried that they could be the next victim. It's just a very, very sad situation. This needs to stop. As conductors, sorry, got to get emotional. As conductors, we have lots to deal with, and it's not fair. Yeah, you shouldn't be afraid when you're heading to work. The union pleading with the MTA to deploy members of the agency's 1,000-member police force. Officers usually seen on the LIRR in Metro North are saying, hey, maybe we should put these guys on the subways to keep MTA workers safe. This MTA chairman has his own private police force that can be reassigned in the subway system as a conductor's cab. And while we're talking about violence down below on the subways, they caught up with this woman. Do you remember the story from, it was about two weeks ago, where a guy was playing the cello, you know, doing music underground down below on the subway, And this woman came up and smashed him over the head with his thermos. I mean, really hard. Well, they found her. Her name is Amira Hunter. She is from Brooklyn. She was charged with assault for the attack that happened at a Midtown Transit station. Uh, So she was taken in, committed this violent crime that is bail eligible. And despite the district attorney requesting that she be held on bail, the judge last night released her without it. So she's back out on the streets after hitting this poor guy over the head. There's video of this incident. It's very clear who did it, who carried it out. His name is Lane Forrest, 
And uh, he's been speaking out about being hit over the head with this metal water bottle. I just felt in the middle of performance some terrible collision on the back of my head, a lot of pain. I didn't know what happened. I was kind of disoriented. So there's a video that shows Amira leaning on a column at the 34th Street Station while looking at her phone, then putting her phone in her bag, marching over to Forrest, grabs the metal water bottle, whacks him forcefully. It is not the first time he's been attacked. Forrest says someone tried to steal his instrument while he was performing in Times Square just within the last year. And he says uh, other people who he knows does music, uh, you know, down on the subways, they've been attacked as well. In Times Square, a different subway station, um, someone tried to rob me of my instrument and also attacks me as well. Yes, so the MTA apparently doesn't log specific numbers of assaults on musicians in the subway stations, but maybe they should because Forrest says he believes they knows almost uh, every musician he knows that plays down below has at one time or another found themselves in a potentially violent situation. And he says, if that's the case, if all those stories hold up, then they should be keeping track of these attacks, just like they do to others down on the subway. If you talk to any of these musicians, you know, a non-insignificant number of them will tell you something similar happened to them. They got assaulted, they got attacked, harassed. So the good news here is he is okay. He's been entertaining locals and tourists and subway stations, he says, for nearly a decade. He's a med school student, so he uses the money to pay, pay some bills. But he says now he's not going to be in the subway for a while until the police come and clean up the mess that's going on down there. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Lennon. Both the Knicks and the Nets returned to action on the hardwood last night. At the Garden, the Knicks fell 110-99 to the Golden State Warriors thanks to a 31-point and 11-rebound performance out of superstar Stephen Curry. Jalen Brunson scored 27 points for the Knicks, who finished 4-8 and in February after going 14-2 and in January. But they lost starting forwards Julius Randle and O.G. Anunoby late in that month, and they don't know when the two will be back. Dante DiVincenzo added 16 points, and Josh Hart had 14 points, 18 rebounds, and 7 assists. For the Knicks, who missed their first nine shots and trailed by 17 early on, Anunoby could be inching closer to a return, with head coach Tom Thibodeau saying yesterday that he was cleared to begin individual basketball activities, such as dribbling and shooting, though still nothing where he would face any contact as he recovers from that elbow surgery. Out in Brooklyn, the Nets found something against the visiting Hawks, bearing Atlanta by a score of 124-97 to last night. Cam Johnson scored a season-high 29 points, hitting a season-high 7 three-pointers in 11 attempts. Fighting for the last playing spot in the Eastern Conference, teams will meet again at Barclays Center tomorrow. Brooklyn improved to 23-36, and winning in interim coach Kevin Ollie's first home game since replacing the fire. Jacques Vaughn on February 20th. Dennis Schroeder had 23 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists for balanced Brooklyn. Mikhail Bridges scored 15 points. Daron Sharp had 12. Lonnie Walker, 11. And Dennis Smith, Jr., 10. In the NHL, Matthew Barzell had a tie-breaking goal with just over 6 minutes left in the third period. And Brock Nelson scored twice, lifting the Islanders to a 5-3 victory last night that snapped the Detroit Red Wings' 6-game winning streak. The Isles have entered the final period with the lead 26 times this season and have lost seven of those games. In the final minute, Pierring Ball scored the Islanders' first empty net goal of the season. Nelson's second goal broke a tie early in the third, giving him a team-leading 27 Genos on the year, and Elias Sorokin finished with 23 saves. The Islanders are 6-5-3 since firing Lane Lambert and hiring Wad to uh, linger in the playoff race as one of four teams joining New Jersey, Washington, and Pittsburgh within 10 points of Detroit and Tampa Bay in the wildcard standings. Looking ahead to tonight on the ice, the Devils return to action on the road set to face off in Anaheim. 
against the Ducks at 10 p.m. And down at MLB Spring Training Day, the Mets visit the Cardinals for a 105 p.m. first pitch, and the Yankees host the Blue Jays a bit later at 6.35 p.m. That's Sports Noam, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. Two human arms and a leg found at a park in Babylon out on Long Island yesterday. The remains discovered in a wooded area of Southard's Pond Park. The scenes were along the west and east sides of the park. The initial gruesome discovery was actually made by a girl who was walking to school. She goes to a school. The school is called Babylon Middle School and High School. And um, she saw this arm on the side of the road, and she called her dad, and her dad called the cops. This morning, a group of students were walking to school in Babylon Village on Siegel Boulevard when one of them noticed an arm uh, right, off the, right off the road. Um, she, that person called her father, who came to the scene. Um, he then called 911. Police describing the arm's fingertips were gone. It had a clear tattoo, that according to a police chief who was on the scene. Then the Suffolk police and the medical examiner arrive on the scene after a second body part, a leg, found about a half mile away on the other side of the park in the woods near the elementary school. We have the right arm and the left arm. The right arm was found about 20 feet further into the woods, um, from where the left arm in a in almost a direct line. And then it didn't end there. It just gets creepier by the moment. Last night, a canine cadaver found another body part deeper into the woods. Weird than- people are over here. There's oh, definitely a bad vibe right here. Yeah. Like the last two weeks for sure. I stopped walking here by myself because it, there's just weirdos. Yeah, it's a dog walker who says she and her dog felt a little creeped out in the last couple weeks in that neighborhood. The gruesome discoveries prompted the Babylon District Superintendent to schools to keep the elementary and grade school kids indoors for recess yesterday, just out of an abundance of caution. They even changed the dismissal procedures uh, for the day just to make sure everybody was safe. A little disturbing because the school is right here. It's just scary to think that that's here. You know, it's it's sad. It really is. As soon as they found out this morning, they sent the parents a notice that there is police activity, and they did let us know that there is going to be indoor recess, just as a precaution. The case being treated now as a homicide. Extraordinarily shocking for this area. I mean, it's always been a great place to live. That's horrible. Crazy. Crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, it is crazy stuff. The main questions now are, who is this person? And I imagine with the tattoos and DNA, they'll be able to identify him. Then, of course, the next question is what happened to him. And then the third question is who did it to him. I imagine this will all be sorted out. And, of course, as that information comes into us, we'll pass it on to you. The first public hearings in New York City about congestion pricing taking place yesterday, drawing some mixed reactions. You might think that everybody who stood up at this hearing would yell and scream about the tolls, that it'll be about 15, 16 bucks to go below 60th Street here in Manhattan. Starting pretty soon, it'll be essentially easy pass readers that will charge uh, drivers as they come through the zone, which is 60th Street and below in Manhattan. The criticism for the most part last night was civil. It'll be the final nail in the coffin that will relegate Manhattan to become the playground for the wealthy. My patients don't choose to have cancer, but you are choosing to tax them because they do. And I beg you you to reconsider. 
Yeah, that woman, a nurse, saying that a lot of her patients have to drive because they can't get onto the subways or need to be driven to appointments. There were also calls for discounts. In the U.K., they have congestion pricing now, and if you're in the business zone, they, you do get a discount. The London plan offers a 90% discount to all residents who live within the zone. I'm not in favor of zone residents paying anything, but at least that would benefit low-income residents like myself. Yeah, so despite the criticism, there were plenty of zone residents who feel like the congestion pricing plan can't start soon enough. So this woman stood up. Her husband died after an ambulance coming to save him got stuck in terrible traffic. And she wonders, once congestion pricing uh, happens, whether there'll be less traffic and maybe more lives could be saved. None of you want to be in a situation where you might have been saved, but you died because there was too much traffic. So for every comment in protest last night, there seemed to be a comment in favor. About 120 people, both on Zoom and in person, got a chance to speak out at this public hearing. And as I've always said, whenever these have these public hearings, it doesn't really change a whole lot. It might modify some of the plans, give these board members some ideas. But congestion pricing is coming unless somehow legally New Jersey or Staten Island or some of the people who filed lawsuits can stop it. So there was some people who, you know, got more emotional last night. This is a crime against a New Yorker. You might not like what I'm saying, but it's a fact. Have you not considered the residents of the CBD that are forced to drive out of the city to work? Yeah, so the thought was this was going to start in April. That's not happening. But now maybe they'll push the plan back to uh, the summer. And uh, the transponders are up. They're ready to take your money, whether it's here in our neighborhood at Bloomingdale's, which is right at 60th Street, or when you come out of the Lincoln or Holland tunnels, it's up. They're ready to take pictures of your license plate or use your Easy Pass to charge you that toll. Tom Swazi back in Washington yesterday, his first official day on the job since winning New York's third congressional district seat, formerly held by George Santos, who no likely uh, was booted out of Congress. He was sworn in, and uh, then he talked about what he promised during the campaign is he wants to work with Republicans to get things done. I got my big issues I want to work on. I want to work on the border. I want to work on the state and local tax deduction. But I really want to work on trying to figure out how can we find a way to heal this divide and get people to work together. The Democrat who represents parts of Long Island and Queens will have only just a couple months to get any of that done, to prove what he can get done, because come November, he's actually got to run again to secure a full two-year term. We got to stop letting ourselves be bullied by our bases and start doing what the people want us to do, which is to work together. They, 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 they're sick of this. Now we'll have to wait and see who the Republicans put up against him come November. Finally, at the Hoboken Public Library, you'll find a treasure chest of books. But that's not all. Card holders can now check out everyday items like electronics, tools, and yard games. I think this is kind of a good idea. So the idea is... If you're living in a city like Hoboken or New York City, for that matter, you're in tight spots and you can't have room for all the things you might want. So let's say you need a tree trimmer. Well, now you can go to the Hoboken Library, show your library card, and you can get a tree trimmer for a week or so. Living in an urban area where you don't have a lot of space to store things, you know, wouldn't it be great if I can just borrow, say, a knife sharpener, use it once, and then I can just return it? 
that's where the genesis of this all came from. Yeah, I think a smart idea. Uh, games have been popular so far, have been taken out. Uh, household appliances really big. You'll remember in Fairlawn, they started doing this a couple weeks ago with wedding dresses. You can loan a, out a wedding dress for your wedding and then return it. Uh, good idea. All right, 557, traffic, transit on the 7s. Here's Joe Nolan. Well, coming inbound to the George Washington Bridge, still we got trouble from the Raycatina.com traffic desk again heading inbound. Uh, there's a solid 45-minute delay. It might actually even be a little bit better than that, a little bit I'm, I'm not, not better, bigger than that, coming inbound at the span. And again, all this uh, because of a bunch of earlier issues. But again, a 45-minute delay inbound to the George Washington Bridge. Now, if you're coming inbound at the Lincoln Tunnel, really still only minor. Same thing down at the Holland, just a little bit of a brake check as you come out of that uh, lower roadway there heading inbound. But other than that, you're doing pretty well. From the other side, if you're heading inbound from Long Island, not doing too badly on the westbound Long Island Expressway, you're a little slow from about Glen Cove Road right on into the city. And then again, at Queens Boulevard, right around the Clearview, there was an accident with two lanes out. Looks like that uh, might be out of the way. Inbound on the Gowanus BQE were slow. Coming up to the Brooklyn Bridge, again, a bunch of volume there. Also, now coming off of the southbound side of the Cross Island onto the Belt Parkway, uh, there are some delays. And also on the Van Wyck, again, we had some earlier problems there as well, up by Northern Boulevard. Still some delays as you get through that area. Doing very well over on Staten Island. No problems on the Staten Island Expressway or on the West Shore Expressway all the way up and down the Garden State Parkway and the New Jersey Turnpike. Again, things there all moving along very nicely. Transit Authority delays on the A and the F. And alternate side of the street parking rules are in effect. When it comes to driving a luxury all-terrain SUV, few can compare to the 2024 Defender 110 from Land Rover Edison and Land Rover Marlboro. Now available for a limited time with 3.9% APR financing for up to 60 months for qualified buyers. I'm Joe Nolan with traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right, let's find out what's happening on the Friday edition of Sit In Friends in the Morning from Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Layden. Bottom of each hour, as is the case every day. You don't want to miss our uh, Cats and Cosby minicast clip of the day. Kicking us off in the way of guests. 645 this morning, our good buddy from Jerusalem, Alex Trayman, hopping on the program before Curtis Sliwa at 7.15, live here in studio. Then another in-studio guest joining us at 7.45 will be Andrew Napolitano for his weekly Friday morning hit with Sid. 8.15, Andrew Giuliani, another Friday morning weekly guest with Sid, joining us at 8.15. Joe Tacopina, 8.45, before Gavin Wax wraps out the week gnome at 9.15. It's been a good week on Sid and Friends in the Morning. We're going to finish strong. Sounds like a good one. We are out of here on this Friday morning. We'll do it all over again come Monday morning, 5 a.m. Have a good weekend. But don't go anywhere now. Yeah, Sid and Friends in the Morning, they are up next.